I'm going to share with you um, it's something that I feel God has put on my heart. So hopefully I'll communicate it in the way that he can speak to you despite what I say and how I, how I communicate it. We are going to talk about knowing God through the spiritual practice of humility. Beautiful topic. Humility is essential for a healthy relationship with God. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here and that you love each one of us as we have felt so tangibly earlier in the meeting. God, we thank you for your love and your continuing presence that never gives up on us and is constantly with us, speaking to us and through us and and helping us to grow closer and closer to you so that we can know you more intimately and more freely. And I pray that you would just speak to us, continue to speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Humility, there's no doubt that God wants us to live humbly. I don't have to convince any of you, but I thought I'd throw in some scriptures because you can never have too many. Proverbs 11, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Who wants wisdom? I know I do. Proverbs 22 verse 4, true humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honour and long life. Who wants riches? I want enough to pay the bills, let's be honest. Long life, we don't want to die early. Humility. James 3, exclamation 3, that's meant to be a 1, (laughs) 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And this one, which you can probably all quote, except that I did it in the Amplified, haha. Micah 6.8, he has told you, O man and woman and child, what is good and what does the Lord require of you except to be just and to love and to diligently practice kindness, compassion and to walk humbly with your God setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. So how do we live in humility? We, we need humility. How do we live in humility? What is it exactly? And as I've looked at this topic, and in fact over the last couple of years I've really felt drawn to humility, probably because I struggle with humility. I'm not naturally humble like other people in the room. I'm, people don't comment, oh, that girl, she's so humble. I've never had that. <laughs> I'll say up front, pride is one of my stronger points. <laughs> no, thankfully the Holy Spirit has been putting his finger on that for the last 15 years or more probably. Anyway, so I've been thinking about humility a bit and I've come to the viewpoint that humility is actually basically about our view of ourselves in relation to something or particularly particularly someone else. It is about where we see ourselves in relation to the world and to others. And I um, looked on the internet, as you do when your husband asks you to preach a few days before you preach, You look on the internet 
And I came, this, I came across this article by non-Christians from this place called positivepsychology.com written by a lady who has a PhD and, and double-checked by another guy who has a PhD. So I must confess I'm not sure who these people are, but they've got PhDs after their name, so they must have some knowledge. And this lady called Anna Katharina Schaffner, the name alone makes me want to believe her, wrote an article called What is Humility and Why is it Important? Now, I've condensed this because it was, it was just quite astounding. But I am going to read to you a lengthy sort of passage and I want you to try and listen to it. It's not written too complicated. If I can understand it, I think all of you can. Anna um, tells us, um, at first sight, the ancient virtue of humility is not a particularly appealing one. Deriving from the word hummus, and we all know this because Ben has spoken on it, which means earth, it appears to clash with our current valuation of self-worth and self-realisation. Humility is an attitude of spiritual modesty that comes from understanding our place in the larger order of things. In the past decade in particular, psychologists have rediscovered the importance of humility. Interesting. They have established fascinating links between humility and our ability to learn and be effective leaders and our readiness to engage in pro-social pro behaviour. Adopting a more humble mindset increases our overall psychological well-being and ensures our social functioning. Humility is a perfect antidote to the, to the self-fixated spirit of our age. This is not a Christian lady. This is, yeah. Humility is a core value. I mean, she might be, but this article is not written from a Christian um, organisation. Humility is a core value in many ancient ethical and theological um, Frameworks, and then she went on to speak about um, about Aristotle and um, Socrates and Confucius. So I didn't bore you with all that, but but these ancient theologians remind us that we are members of a species that is far from perfect, and urge us to be mindful of the limited role we each have to play in the fate of humanity as a whole. We can understand humility not just as a virtue but also as a psychological trait. At a basic level, humility relates to the degree to which we value and promote our interests above others. Critically, it also involves seeing ourselves accurately, not thinking of ourselves more highly or for that matter lowly than is appropriate. That sounds like a passage of scripture. Worthington, some other guy, did a study and he understands humility as made up of three parts. Accurate self-perception, modest self-portrayal, other-oriented relational stance or stance, if you're English. Um, I don't know if that's true. 
While other orientedness is a core interpersonal feature of humility, Tangi, another guy, has identified intrapersonal aspects of humility. Number one, a, a willingness to see ourselves truthfully. Two, an accurate perception of our place in the world. Three, an ability to acknowledge our mistakes and limitations. Four, openness. Thank you, Emily, for preaching about that last week. Five, low self-focus. And lastly, an appreciation of the value of all things. At a basic level, humility relates to the degree to which we value and promote our interests above others. We can also understand humility as a character strength. As such, it is an essential component of moral character that is manifested in modesty, being empathetic, acknowledging and respecting others at a deeper level and accurately understanding as well as owning our limitations. Once again, another reference to another study. As a character strength, humility can be viewed as the opposite of pride, arrogance and an inflated sense of our importance and talents. It is based on a fundamentally caring and compassionate attitude towards others. Now when I read that and there was a whole lot more, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just wanted to read you the whole article because it's just, and then just walk down. It's just incredible because this is not a Christian. This is not from the Bible. This is from people who study human behaviour, how important humility is. I like what Anna said at the beginning, um, I don't know if you remember, but she said, humility is an attitude of spiritual modesty that comes from understanding our place in the larger order of things. And as Christians, God has ordained the larger order of things because God is our creator. We and everything else in the universe is created Humility is our response to the way God has created the universe and our role in it. Humility is our response to God. So how do we do this? How do we respond with humility? I mean, you probably will find it easy. I don't. So I ask the question. The Bible tells us to clothe ourselves with humility. I've even got a scripture for that. Colossians 3, verse 12. Oh, there's that quote. I forgot to put it up there. Thank you, Juanita. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, he lo- uh, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 1 Peter 5 Likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, I think he's talking to some other older guy, and so the older men, and then he refers to the younger men, be subject to your elders, um, seek their counsel, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, tie on the servant's apron. For God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them. Wow. But he gives grace to the humble. I need grace. So how do we clothe ourselves with humility? It's all very easy for God to put that. How do we do it? I don't notice a coat in my cupboard called humility that I just put on. So how do we? 
So the first important thing we get from these scriptures is we can choose humility. We can put on humility. In that passage, um, in Colossians, you must clothe yourself. It's a commandment. It's not, an, it's not a pray and ask God for humility. It's you choose humility. Clothe yourself with humility. Put on humility. We can choose to behave in a humble way. Okay, no worries. Thank you. Uh, if you want to all go home now and be humble. It's not that easy, is it? But the more I thought about this, and this is where I get very excited for some strange reason, because when I thought about this, I thought there's only one real answer, and I don't think you're going to like it, to be honest. But that's where obedience comes in. Obedience. What do you think when I use the word obedience? I've got some pictures. Maybe this is what you think of when you think obedience. (laughs) Do what you're told. Or maybe, Jess, this is what you think. Or this one is more Jessica's life. (laughs) I just love that picture. Maybe that's what you think. Like, I don't want to. Or maybe this one. That there's a million and one rules. Obedience is all about the rules. That's not fair. Or maybe... This one, Emma, Emma, this is you and Tyson. (laughs) Emma's vomiting. (laughs) Wives, obey your husbands. (laughs) I'm sure Chris does that to you every morning, doesn't she? Oh, hang on. Hang on. It's the other way round. Des brings Chris a cup of tea every morning. Des, you're incredible. (laughs) Or maybe this is what you think of. Obedience is... I've got to do what he tells me. And we can laugh, but people probably, like this is what you could feel. Or maybe this, being dragged along, I don't want to do what I'm told. Because at a surface level, obedience is, yeah, okay. But when it comes to deeper things, it's actually hard. What does the, why does the word obedience conjure up thoughts like this? You know, the Bible tells us we have to obey God. And I'm going to give you a scripture, not that you would argue with me. I've just recently read um, Psalm 119 again, and it is incredible. So can I encourage you to go home and read it slowly? So I'm going to just read you, like I could probably have read the whole passage, but the first bit. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribed the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learned the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. Obedience. 
God wants us to obey. God wants us to live the way he has planned. God has a way that he knows if we followed, we would live an incredible life with his, uh, his presence close to us. But at the basics of that is obedience. Why is obedience such a dirty word? Why is obedience so hard? Does anyone find it easy here, obeying God? I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand because then you might have pride issues. I don't know. And I think it's because obedience to God is linked to humility. Obedience is the action that results from humility. It's our humble response to God. And humility is the opposite of pride. When we leave pride behind and we understand who we are and who God is, obedience to God comes naturally. I'm going to repeat that. When we leave pride behind and when we understand who we are and who God is, obedience to God comes naturally. Obedience says, God, you know more than me. You created me. You understand this universe and all the intricacies of it. You understand me and you know how complex I am. I know some stuff, but compared to you, my knowledge is minute and it can never be on your level. I'm going to explain, use an example to explain, explain this to you. And it, it comes from my job, my r- r- role as an anesthetist. Nurse. You know, God has used that role to t- t- teach me some pretty incredible things in my life and, that, and a couple of them have been quite challenging. This one he taught me probably uh, four or five years ago. You all know I'm an anaesthetic nurse. I work with an anaesthetist and I've told you before, anaesthetists do probably 15 years of st- study work where they have no social life it's just stress and work and study and intenseness and and then they come out as a consultant anesthetist and I I've done three years of uni no I didn't even do uni I did a hospital certificate which is equivalent to three years of uni and then I did a postgrad in a a completely other topic, but I've, I've done some stuff. Like, I'm a really good anaesthetic nurse. I know what I'm doing. Like, I would be better than probably any of you. I know stuff that you guys don't know. So if you want to know about anaesthesia, come and talk to me because I've been doing it for 30, 25 years and I'm good at what I do. But anyway, pride, pride. It's part of my example, illustration. So I'm with my anaesthetist, and you know, every time you have an anaesthetic, there are chances that things can go pretty hairy, like things can go wrong. And we are trained so that we prevent that happening, or if, if, if any hint of something going wrong happens, we've got all these monitoring and we quickly cut it in the bud like we're really good at preventing catastrophes because we don't like people not doing well having an anaesthetic especially for an elective procedure so we're really good at that and but with every anaesthetic there is a chance and we have to be prepared and vigilant and so I'm the sort of person that likes to know everything about everything if so if something 
Like if Ben tells me something, I ask him a hundred questions because I want to understand everything. I want to know the mechanics behind it, the reasons why and what we can do if this happens or that happens, how to prevent anything bad happening, how to prepare. And so I bring that into my role as an anaesthetic nurse. And so every patient, I'd be thinking now, if this happens, that I'll do that and I'll make sure I've got that um, that piece of equipment in case that happens and... But the issue is anaesthesia is so complicated and so complex that if this was the level of knowledge you need to give an anaesthetic, I probably know this much. I'm really good at my bit, but I don't understand the rest of it. And it is so complicated. Like, you have no idea how much they un that anaesthetists understand about so much, and I won't continue on because it will waste time, but I would go to the patient, we're about to give an anaesthetic, and I would start to do my making sure, and then I'd start to get a bit anxious because I'd think, well, if this happens, like this patient has this pre-existing condition, what, what, and I wouldn't know what drug to give or how much or how, how much uh, oxygen to put in or how much pressure to put in on the ventilation, and like I began this anxious little cycle because I knew that I didn't know how to recover this patient or how to deal with the patient if there was a complication. And it would get, it got to the point that I was anxious a lot. It got more and more that I began to dread going to work because I didn't know how to handle every situation. I didn't realise it was that, but I, but I had this revelation one day I was talking to one of my anaesthetic nurse the colleagues and telling her, I just get really anxious and I don't know what to do. And she said, well, you do know what to do. And I said, no, I don't. Like, if this happens, and I, she goes, you know what to do. And I said, no, I don't, I don't. And then she said to me, Julie, you're the anaesthetic nurse. You're not the anaesthetist. You don't have to know what to do because your anaesthetist is there. And it may be obvious, obvious to you, but to me it was like, oh, yeah, that's true. And I realised that I had been trying to have the knowledge and understanding and insight of the anaesthetist, but I wasn't the anaesthetist. I was the nurse, and I'm really important. Like, he needs me, seriously. <laughs> doctors need nurses. I don't know if there's any doctors here. But. but I had this mini revelation, and it's a bit like that with us and God. We think we have to understand. And if you've got that type of a personality, maybe this is more of an issue with you, but we find it hard to let God be the creator who knows all about everything and us to just be content with knowing what we know and growing in our understanding of God bit by but letting him be the boss and us be the person. Obedience also... Obedience, um, obedience says, God, your love for me is huge. I can never measure its length or width or height. It is unending and pure. It is perfect. Obedience um, says, you are Father. You are my lover. And you are always with me. Obedience 
says, I choose to trust your love, your wisdom and your presence. I am safe in your hands. Obedience chooses to lean on him rather than on myself. Obedience rests in the truth that I am not God. And sorting this issue out leads to a life of worship, which is humble obedience. That is where the issue is. It's as simple as that. It's not that simple, but that is what it is. The battle for obedience is fought in our heart. It's in the little things that humility is chosen, the unseen things, the heart things. Like other spiritual practices or disciplines, it's the little choices every day that over time change us into becoming more like Christ, becoming obedient to the way God wants you to live life. Benevolence, love, forgiveness, thankfulness, prayer, which is the antidote for worry. Why do we worry? We just need to go to God. Know that he is God and give him our worries. doesn't matter if you worry 50 times a day, every time. Go to God with your worry in prayer. Choosing not to worry. Stillness. These are all things God wants. This is the way God wants us to live our life. You might ask, well, how do do I know what God wants us to do? How do I know what he wants me to do? Read your Bible and ask God to tell you. His spirit will convict you. You know what conviction is? It's just a religious term for him telling you what you need to do, asking you to obey. Read your Bible and ask God to speak. He wants to speak to you through you, not just through this or music. He wants to speak to you individually to tell you what you need to do. You know, unfortunately, sometimes we can fool others into thinking that we are obedient or that we're humble. We might even fool ourselves in this. We can act humble. Now, I don't know why God wanted me to put this in here, but I just really felt I needed to remind us that this is not something you put on. This is something in here. And you can put it on. You can pretend You can put on a Christian persona. You can do the actions of obedience, but that is not enough. God needs a humble heart. And I could pick multiple scriptures that would highlight this, but this scripture came to my mind, and so I'm praying that God will speak to whoever needs to hear this. Maybe it's me. Luke 18, 9 to 14. This is is Jesus talking he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves and were confident that they were righteous posing outwardly as upright and in right standing with God and who viewed others with contempt two men went up into the temple to pray one a Pharisee which is a religious um, um, leader of the day and the other a tax collector which in that day was not a very nice person he stole from people the pharisee stood ostentatiously and began praying to himself in a self-righteous way he wasn't praying for others to hear he really believed this god i thank you that i am not like 
the rest of men. You know, we can laugh at this, but I remember once praying, God, thank you that I'm not like that person over there. It's not very different than this. And you know, I'm not that evil that I think I'm the only one in this room that has, has done that. Sometimes we get a bit, a, bit, a bit deceived. Anyway, thank you that I'm not like the rest of men, swindlers, unjust, dishonest, adulterers. Notice he lists the big ones. What about the little, all the little sins? Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing at a distance, would not even raise his eyes toward heaven, but was striking his chest in humility and repentance, saying, God, be merciful and gracious to me, the especially wicked sinner that I am. I tell you, this man went to his home justified, forgiven of the guilt or sin and placed in right standing with God rather than the other man for anyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself um, forsaking self-righteous pride will be exalted. God wants us to know him. But he's not just talking about head knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge puffs up. It's from the Bible. He's talking about when you really know someone. When we here talk about us knowing God, it is not about head knowledge. It's not about studying the Bible and understanding God. It's more than that. Read the Bible so you can learn to have relationship with God. You know, when I was thinking about how, to, how I was thinking about all this and I got this picture in my head that humility is like an embrace. It's the act of an embrace. Two people perfectly fitted together. I don't know if you have a person in your life that you embrace, not just a nice hug, but a full embrace where you just meld body to body, just embracing Maybe it's your mum or your dad. Maybe it's your boyfriend or your girlfriend or someone you love. I, when I embrace Ben, I feel like a fit. You just fit. And that is what humility is with us and God. You fit with God. He's, he's God. He's the creator. He's, he's I suppose, the boss in a weird way, but it's not a boss relationship. It's this love relationship and you embrace him humbly and it makes you bold and confident, not sniveling and I'm a humble little worm. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an embrace which fills you with confidence and and self-esteem and I can do this because of God. One God, the other his child. One the creator the other, the created. Another picture I get is two people dancing. One leading and the other following, trusting the gentle direction of the other. And this particular picture, the one who leads knows all the steps, all the terrain, all the possibilities that might come along the way of the dancers. The one who follows 
flows beautifully in sync and in step with the one who leads and they will dance beautifully together. A beautiful, smooth dance filled with energy, joy and intimacy for the couple who only have eyes for each other, which is another thing about God. When your eyes are locked on him, it's beautiful. And this is a mesmerising beauty for anyone else who is observing this dancing couple. Obedience is hard. Humility is challenging. It can go against what feels like something deep inside of us. But when you settle the issue of who you are and who God is, it will become, and sometimes very slowly, a natural response and fills you with peace. I just want to leave you with two last scriptures. Once again, I could have found hundreds, but Matthew 5, 5, and Jack, if you could just come and play a bit on the piano. I mean on the, yeah, play on the piano. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And Matthew 11 and 29, and this is one of my favourite scriptures. Jesus is telling you, take my yoke upon you. A yoke is a control mechanism for a cow back in the day. There is a level of obedience that comes from wearing a yoke. But he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. God doesn't expect you to know. He doesn't expect you to have it perfect. He says, let me teach you because I, he, is gentle. I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. I just want you to close your eyes. You know, I've discovered that every human being, no matter how perfect their life is has moments or seasons of turmoil in their life and and difficulty God promises if you take the yoke of humility if you choose obedience that comes from humility you'll find rest And I want you to just, in your heart right now, just begin to talk to Him. You know, God's longing, His longing is to talk to you individually. You know, that's the whole reason Jesus came and died. Not to produce a religion where people follow a bunch of rules, but so that He could talk directly into each one of you, into your heart. So right now, just open your heart to Him, ask Him to speak. Maybe you've never felt Him speak in your heart. Sometimes when He speaks, it's like a warm, warm, warm a sense of security and, and just, a, just a, a warmth that wells up in your heart. And that is him speaking to you, maybe telling you that he's real, that he's here. We worshipped earlier and we sang about his love. And 
You know, the whole thing about obedience and humility is it's obeying someone who loves you so intensely, so deeply and so purely, no self-motives for Him. His love for you is incredible and can be trusted. And it's up to each of us to respond in humility and open our hearts and let Him love us. He doesn't expect perfection. He doesn't expect, He doesn't even expect you to do the right thing. Because that's why Jesus came. Because we can't do the right thing. Sometimes we get it right. But don't lean on that. That's not going to (laughs) help. Opening your heart to Him and His love is what will help. Realising that you've done things wrong, maybe you need to repent now and just apologise for living on the strength of your rightness and your actions that are good. Maybe you've pretended to be humble and to be obedient. Just now, I just ask that you just begin to talk to Him. Ask Him to help you put on humility. Ask Him to help you to be obedient. He promises to give you rest. Spirit, I just pray that you will let that sink deep inside our spirits, our hearts. How much you love us, God, so that we can choose from here, more so than we've done in the past, to put on humility, to choose obedience. God, to obey you, help us. We can be, we can be so willful and stubborn and hard-hearted Holy Spirit help us to obey when we don't want to we love you and we need you we thank you for your incredible love thank you Lord